Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Inevitable championship chance. Harry Redknapp and the car window, the final reckoning. Goalkeeping wonder kids. A new midfield pairing that will definitely win England the World Cup in the unworkably distant future. Danny Baker VAR Bingo. The first name on the team sheet for the PGMOL Fast Tracks 11. A 1 out of 10 Christmas film featuring a 0 out of 10 grasp of elite level football. The death of Leathering. And another nip and tuck quiz clash in happy hunting grounds. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Cliches. I'm Adam Hurry and on this midweek adjudication panel, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare, hello. Hello. And hello to you, David Walker. Hello. Uh, You two will be facing off in happy hunting grounds, I can confirm, in the second half of today's pod. Oh, a winner piece, is it so far? Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, it could be a Titanic clash. Charlie's got a slightly more experience than me, having taken part in the live Twitter space. But that's I, I'm that's sort of that's unsanctioned almost. Yeah, it's unofficial. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think what's that the equivalent of. It's like, is it a friendly? Would it count as a like not a competitive game? But it I is think competitive. It's more competitive. Yeah, I think it's higher pressure. I think it might well turn out to be the Champions Europe. League of Hell. Maybe it's you, it's Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. It's like traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tricky trips. Um, speaking of tricky trips, uh, Dave, did you go to Watford on Tuesday night? I did. Uh, did you hear, I gather this information from the Athletics Watford correspondent, Adam Leventhal. Did you hear the Norwich fans, um, after they'd squandered a 2-0 lead at Vicarage Road to lose 3-2, sing, uh, you don't know what you're doing 
David Wagner, and also crucially and almost inevitably, shit Daniel Farker, you're just a shit Daniel Farker. I did hear that, yes. After after the first half an hour where they were ironically pretty quietly singing uh, Is This a Library? Yeah, they really did turn on their on their team and yeah that was that was nice I mean, i've heard plenty of you don't know what you're doing but shit ex-manager you're just a shit ex-manager is something i don't think i've ever heard before that's quite cutting it's quite they're quite interchangeable as well which i think lends it quite an air of inevitability charlie i feel like this chant was always going to happen at some point mm. in the season and nine defeats in 13 as i understand it has surely tipped them over the edge i mean i'm sure he's been sung that by away fans before Definitely, because yeah. they are, you know, their career paths have been have been similar in many ways. That has got a sting. Right. Let's adjudication panel for this midweek. Um, this came from Jamie Hoban, who was watching um, PSG versus Newcastle, uh, but not on TNT Sports. He had the world feed going on. And uh, Jonathan Pierce was on comms. A close-up shot of Luis Enrique as PSG tried desperately to break down Newcastle in the, in the latter stages. And uh, Charlie, he offered a euro for his thoughts. <laughs> which is astonishing inflation wow yeah that's a huge inflation how many pennies is a euro euro in pounds is 87 pence 87 pennies for Luis Enrique's thoughts astonishing Jinky he briefly forgot what the kind of penny equivalent was <laughs> you don't use it very often the old cent yeah, yeah exactly it's really thought whereas like centime I feel was was sort of slightly more high profile <laughs> oh that would have been French cool, holidays actually. as a kid would have been a nice touch but yeah uh, that's a lot of money for some thoughts. Speaking of money changing hands for uh, debatable content, here is Harry Redknapp's latest endorsement deal, the Department for Work and Pensions. Good morning. Morning, Harry. Great to see you. Deadline day's coming up fast. Yeah, the big deadline's coming up, the 10th of December, and that's the final date to apply for your pension credit, and also you can get a cost of living payment. Obviously, pension credit tops up your income, but there are more wins here, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, that's why I like it. It can be worth thousands a year. And also, you get extra help with heating bills, council tax, and all that stuff. Well, thanks, Harry. Any final thoughts? Well, it's always an exciting time of the season. I would just say to anyone, check out with your mum, your dad, your grandparents, because this could be a brilliant sign-in. Check it out on gov.uk. It's amazing. Thanks, Harry. Pleasure. Is this, Charlie, before we get to the real specifics of this, is this the last dying embers of the Harry Redknapp car window concept. I, he can't yeah. do it anymore because even if he did it one more time, even the irony would be lost. Yeah, it probably is. But I also really like what you can't, just on the audio, you can't see, he's kind of reading it. I think it looks like he's got it written down, which is, there's something quite sweet about on the, it. On the steering wheel. It, it does look that way. Yeah, I, I I do like some little flourishes, though, that he does like, yeah, I mean, to try and sound more natural is quite a nice <laughs> Like touch. he's just been caught on the hoof asking about it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's I think this Redknapp quits himself quite well here. I think the old, the old muscle memory is still intact. Mm. And... Despite the fact that he is reading it off a script clearly, which is you know, fair enough, but he, he does a decent job of it, and it's, and and the the pleasure at the, the end pleasure, as well is really amazing. good. It's yeah. exactly right. It's yeah. exactly what he's like. Yeah, not not having spoken to him a couple of times, that it, like, and you're a bit. Oh, thanks so much for your time, Harry. That is exactly how he signs off. Well, I was gonna, I was going to talk about the tone of it and just how authentic it was. And there are two ways of looking at this, Charlie. Either we compare it to his actual, you know, authentic days of when he actually did do this for Sky Sports News, or we. We compare it to the, the many, many times I now believe he has now done this in parody purposes. It, it's kind of it's kind of feeding off itself now, so it will always be authentic because we don't know what to compare it to anymore. Like it's just become it's become a parody of itself. So there is no inauthentic way to do Harry Redknapp out the car window. Yeah, maybe. 
I mean, also there's the EastEnders appearance that we watched, wasn't there as well? So he's, I'm, I'm now thinking, is this like him in real life or is this like that clip we watched of him in EastEnders? It's all merging into one. The, the Department for Work and Pensions possibly, if they wanted to make this a little bit better, I would have splashed the cash and got Gary Cotterill in to actually play himself. Because I don't think the, re- the reporter asking the questions is a bit, is a bit wooden. That's where it falls down for me <laughs> yes, slightly. I agree with that. that. There's not a lot of conviction there. There's, there's a hint of reluctance about it all. But, um, I do I do quite like the graphics, actually, Dave. I mean, this is an unsung hero of the piece, but they've sort of tried to mock up Sky Sports News, presumably in the in the library of the Department of Work Conventions. I've got no idea. It's also they've sort of called their mock sports news channel Stride Sports News, which is after the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, which I think is an ego trip too far for is Mel it? Stride. Mel Stride. I was wondering yeah. why they went for Stride Sports News. Oh, that, I mean, okay. yeah, that, yeah. I mean, hmm. I mean, that's very much chimes with the uh, some of the communications recently from from the from the government. Exactly. It, it's come hot on the heels of here we go with the cabinet reshuffle, which was which was slightly disgusting. This. This, I don't know if this is a continuation of the theme, like an extension of the strategy. Well, uh, this is at least know. this isn't this is no. I mean, this is this is a a piece of public information, so which, which right. is which is useful for people yeah. to you know pensioners to to find out and stuff. So that that's fine. I think it would have been a step too far if they had Harry Redknapp announcing the the reshuffle from the window of his car. Then I, I think that would have crossed the line. A touch. Oh wow! Yeah, if they'd done it all, yeah, kind of Sky Sports News style. I mean, how far off is that from? Happening? Yeah, yeah, you know, we've got yeah. James cleverly in. Yeah. You know, terrific lad. Done a good job there. You can imagine them getting Jim White in years to come, thinking it's that he's difficult. Kind of- you know, Suella. I mean, you know, <laughs> we she, we gave her a go. <laughs> Yeah, my last point on this, Dave, is that it, it's slightly troubling to me, perhaps inadvertently, that um, claiming your pension credit should be based, should be predicated on the concept of a type of business transaction that famously falls through at the eleventh hour. <laughs> Doesn't fill a lot of people with confidence for me. No, I guess he was the go-to guy for this, and uh, yeah. So, are we all in agreement? He cannot do this again. He can't do this again. Well, I think he probably will at some point. I, I mean. Whilst Harry Redknapp is still a going concern, I think there will be people wanting him to talk to them outside through his car window. Right then, on to more bread and butter matters for us. The Express and Star up in Wolverhampton have this headline, Wolves exploring a possible £2 million deal for goalkeeper wonder kid, Rome Jaden Awusu Aduro. Um, Stu writes in, Dave says, can a goalkeeper be a wonder kid? I mean, again, instinctively you'd have to say no, because wonder kids have to have a kind of freewheeling, fearless talent, Owen 98 kind of attitude to life and you'd never want that from your goalkeeper establish what a wonder kid is then and then we'll decide whether a goalkeeper can be one i think i think a goalkeeper can i'm not sure is it just because because goalkeepers are rarer is that it well but well because they tend to start later it depends if we talk i guess because it's like is it relative this is a bit like the michael richards bursting onto the scene thing a bit as well isn't it i mean wonder kid is quite a football manager phenomenon because players would be like allocated as wonder kids on the game obviously in real life it's a bit more fluid you don't have sort of formal uh, <laughs> allocations by fifa of wonder kid but i think if a goalkeeper because also goalkeepers can be quite spectacular if he's making like flying saves and things and you know you've got people being like this this kid he's you know he's saving penalties from harry kane in training i, th- I think you, you can be a goalkeeping wonder kid he's 19 years old 
So for a goalkeeper that is young. Young goalkeepers are usually held for being a sort of old head on young shoulders rather than being spectacularly brilliant. I mean, you suppose they could be hailed for their athleticism, but generally it's, it's usually, how is he doing all this at the age of 19? He's, he looks like a grizzled veteran in there. I think that still could make you, give you elements of wonder because you're so prodigious. You're so kind of... Uh, a developmentally advanced would, would, would you rumor would he have been i'm sure he would have been a wonder kid at some I, point I, I think i'm convinced that he probably could have been actually would you hear yeah. it phrased like written down or, or spoken about as a goalkeeping prodigy i think you to, could to be position specific yeah because that that implies more precocious talent ahead of his years rather than simply being explosively spectacularly brilliant so prodigy is all right to me because you could be a chess prodigy and prodigy is more versatile a bit smoother the video here i found on youtube from three three years ago from the official Serie A youtube channel Gian luigi donnarumma ac milan's wonder kid exclusive interview mm. you can't trust youtube titles that's the last Though place sports illustrated and the mirror also call him a wonder kid presumably written by an ai bot on sports illustrated oh well, yes yeah well exactly. i can't trust them either right then on to perhaps the breakout footballing phrase in english football over the last 10 to 15 years here is lightning seeds ace ian brody on six music talking about playing in a band with his son what's it like working with riley by the way well it's good actually i feel like we're in a great you know as a band we're in a really good moment <laughs> This is a bit, a little bit like going all the way that we were talking about the other day, Charlie. I feel like it really works for bands as well, being in a good moment. I, I think it's right. I can remember seeing bands, and at the time, I remember, remember saying something like, "They're really riding the crest of a wave." This was before being in a good moment was a thing, but that was exactly what I meant. Really, they were, yeah, they were just in a good moment, and you could feel their confidence. And it does work nicely for bands, doesn't it? You know, it's like in the groove. Yeah, well, sort this of is thing. their moment. You know, that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, the moment doesn't really work as a as a unit of time measurement in football. But I think creatively in the music scene, you know, hitting your moment, I think is okay. Uh, great midweek, I think, Charlie, for the midfields, for Spurious. This is the team who will win the 2034 World Cup for England <laughs> 11s. Um, I mean, no indication and no speculation, admittedly, about whether Kobe Mainu and Lewis Miley could play together in the same midfield. But uh, they are, that's it. That's it. We're going to win World Cup 2034 with those two anchoring our midfield. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Lewis Hall as well. Like, you know how sometimes there seem to be suddenly names that are just become footballery names and chuck Lewis Hall in there as well. He could be an important member of that team. Dave, what, what's, what, is the bar really low to get into these teams in terms of just how quickly you need to impress? Because I see them as mainstays in these potential teams already. And we're talking about after about three games combined in the limelight. See, I think, and I'm sure you've just thought this off the top of your head, but I think these these pieces, if they're still being written about like the, the, the predictive future World Cup 11s, I think 2034 would be too far in a distance now. I think it, you, the young players, get in, they get into the England team so quickly. I think you need to lower the threshold a bit. Yeah. I'm glad you raised this because when I put it in the running order, I put it as 2030 and then did the maths and thought, well, there'll only be 24. That's not peak age. So I changed it to 2034 thinking, well, they'll be 28, be right at the peak of their powers. But I don't know. Charlie, what age do people tend to aim for when they're putting their players in this team? I think, anecdotally, I swear they go too young with this. It, they, they, they always choose the World Cup before they should do. Because, well, I guess because it's more interesting to think of like a complete overhaul and with yeah. loads of players 
and also we're, we're just for their time. We're just seduced by the idea of young players tearing it up rather than waiting for them to blossom into you know fully blown talents and then win the World Cup for us. Yeah, and also we you don't think about players who might have kind of got good by then that aren't that we sort of know about already. You kind of think anyone who's going to be in those future squads we won't you know won't have played yet. Bobby Moore was barely twenty five when he won the World Cup for England, so maybe that's what it's all based on. Just sort of being relatively young talents broken through captain in England at the age of 25 was there was there a piece in 1960 in one of the papers written Glanville doing it for world soccer (laughs) he wouldn't lower himself to that would he I don't know I don't know right you know I would never want this podcast to turn into let's talk about all things VAR oh we're talking (laughs) about VAR again I have found an angle that might amuse us though I feel like Charlie we've moved into a, a new gear with VAR disapproval it's cranked up a notch I think every spurious incident really does sort of, you know, solidify that 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 body of disapproval opprobrium amongst a certain sort of demographic of, of football observers. And I'm seeing a lot of doom laden language again. Football's finished. There's no way back. This sort of thing. Um, is that fair to say? Do you think it cranks up a notch, or does it settle back down and then we just do it again? It does feel particularly that language is quite dystopian now. That it is sort of, you know, we we have it. I think the feelings we have entered into another realm. But then, do you remember that period in like 2020 with the, the start of the 2020-21 season where there were all those hand, like mad handballs? I feel like that was maybe a similar level of... But to be fair, that was a rare victory for complaining because they got it essentially repealed. That They did. So, I mean, yeah, maybe it does work. But there was also, there was also a bit of... There was a bit of benefit of the doubt still hovering around at that time with, you know, it was still new. I think it is it is obviously just reaching ridiculous levels, both both on TV, but sort of anecdotally when talking to people at football, talking to your mates, like it's 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 always near the top of the agenda and it's getting more and more ridiculous to the point where the other, on, on on Tuesday's episode when we were talking about the scene I'm given, I sort of was thinking about that when I was editing it and going sort of quite wistfully longing for the days of scene I'm given. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of that grey area. We, we yeah. don't do that anymore it's like yeah. it's like this gray areas it, it was before it'd be oh you know ah, i seen him given and but then that was as a sort of an aside but now it's like oh i saw i saw it given I, yeah. i've seen that given last week it's true I, it's such a good yeah because you can't just flippantly move like that was sort of all the analysis you needed and also you didn't have so much time to fill because you yes. didn't you know you didn't have the sort of few minute wait where you are as you say you are having to talk about well what what examples where, where have you seen that given amongst all the hand wringing after newcastle's uh, uh, draw against paris saint-germain on tuesday night um this was a nice little snippet of, of sort of someone losing it uh, about VAR. And it comes down to a really shocking decision that a referee has made. And it's a deflection off his body onto his arm. Not in any walk of life is that a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a lovely variation, Charlie, of if you walked up to someone in the street and did that. Yeah, I think that's peak of that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, different handballing it in another context or like slide tackling someone and just getting given a penalty (laughs) seen him given seen him given now as the opprobrium grows Dave about VAR there is still an undoubted king of VAR backlash and that man is Danny Baker I can confirm to you I've done some statistical analysis on his tweets he has tweeted 272 times about VAR since 2018 that works out if my maths are correct about once a week so basically every live game on a Saturday or Sunday, or a, you know, a bonus midweek one, he's having a crack at VAR, and they're basically the same. It's the same tweet each time, isn't well, it? Really, is it? 
Is it? We are about to find out. There is subtle variation, and it's all uh, you know. Added when you you know sit back and look at them, they are absolutely spectacular passages of prose. Dave, you're going to go first here. I want you to pick a number between one and two hundred and seventy-two, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, can I say uh, I love how we've written off any chance of him ever coming on this podcast? Oh, so I we think can we do have. this. Yeah, I okay, personally great. think we have. Yes. In uh, shame, but means we can do this. One hundred and thirteen. One hundred and thirteen. Okay, this was. <laughs> Oh, this is this is a lovely little one. VAR, full stop. A clockwork orange. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the tweet. <laughs> That's the tweet. Um, Charlie, it, Danny Baker. Charlie, um, give me another number. Let's see if we can get a nice cross-section of this. 87, please. 87, going into the 80s. Excellent stuff. We'll never play this again. Just want to clarify for anyone who's turning off. Imagine VAR saying, well, yes, his middle finger is front of the last defender, but he's not to know that, so yes, it's a goal. As it stands, they won't do that. So VAR must die. Well, you went a bit Keesian at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> what a crossover that would be. Now, plenty of mentions of vampires. Uh, vampire has appeared in his tweets about VAR seven times. Uh, ghouls. He likes a ghoul, I think, Oh, yeah, he? ghoul. Oh, no, no ghoul. I've spelt it right and everything. It's not there. Oh, <laughs> Own ghouls and gaffs there. Um, <laughs> Parasite. Parasite has appeared five times. But yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know what I'm going to do with this data now because we can't play any more rounds. Computers. Oh. He likes to talk about computers, I, th- Com- I think. Computers. That's nine times. And finally, robots. A mere three times. Don't know. Stop Stockley sure. Park. I don't think he ever gets laid into... You know, he doesn't really get into kind of 50 miles away in Stockley Park discourse. No, he hasn't done that. Right, let's stick with officiating though Craig Blackhall gets in touch with the news that uh, the PGMOL have signed up 12 recently retired footballers to a fast track scheme to become referees he says is it pure coincidence that Phil Jagielka has announced his retirement because he is a slam dunk for the PGMOL fast track 11 don't know I mean you know my first thought here Charlie is 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 that a referee name enough Phil referee Phil Jagielka overruled it i'm not sure about the name but i think the vibe generally yeah definitely i mean like like ben me for instance whenever i see him i'm kind of amazed he's still playing i think he's either should be like in the mnf studio or i can imagine him kind of helping out with rep like he he just he <laughs> feels, in. yeah he feels so made for that kind of role i won't go through the full 11 today dave but um what do we think vibe wise about relatively top-level players being fast-tracked into being Football League and then presumably eventually Premier League referees. I think they'll get more abuse because it'd be like, well, we abuse them as players. There's no, there's no barrier here. I'm going to abuse you now as well. It would be so weird if like proper top-level players, the household names, people that we've been used to seeing for 20 years suddenly are referees. Like imagine like Ashley Cole turning up as a referee. Or like imagine if like Neil if if Neil Warnock comes back into management this season, which is possible, <laughs> and he ended up having Phil Jagielka as his referee. Just yeah, the, that, the banter and yeah. like but then Well, and also the conspiracy theory. The, There'd be too many like yeah. with every every player you'd be able to dig up some sort of spurious reason why they were biased for or against that club. It oh, Jags. Mayhem. Oh, Jags. Jags. Come on. <laughs> Jags. His arms outstretched in the touch. I go, Jags. It's never a penalty, Jags. Jags. Fucking hell, Jags. Um, Charlie, there's this kind of flimsy kind of concept of it being like a panacea that ex-players will come in and, and immediately know the game, one, and two, be able to communicate with players on a player-like level. These are not the issues. It's just not the issue with referees at all. Referees re- officiate 
shit loads of games. They know how to talk to players. It's not difficult. They, I, I, they know players a lot better than we do because they see them every week. It's just so stupid. I also find yet yeah, this idea that like, you know, you need X players because they'll be they'll be good in Stockley Park or whatever. It's like, have you heard former players commentate on games? Like, they don't have a clue what the laws are. They like <laughs> a lot of them talk about the laws from when they were players. They're just like, that's not a foul. It's like it kind of is a it definitely is a foul now. It wasn't when you were playing. Those are two very different things. It's an insane trade-off. I mean, once you factor in the you know the inevitable conspiracy theories and just general hatred of referees anyway, Dave, this payoff of, yes, they'll know the game a bit better and we'll, and we'll let things slide, which they won't be allowed to do because they'll get assessed down anyway, will be completely offset by the fact that they'll be seen as less impartial for career reasons and just more fallible in other reasons. Like, they know... We'll, we'll all know that they're human, that they're not sort of trained in refereeing for the last 20 years. We'll know that they're emotionally malleable and we'll, we'll know that they are basically fucking up through no fault of their own, particularly. It's doomed to failure, this is. Really, really terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, but I sort of hope it happens anyway. Just, I, I want to see it. I want to see one former player, actually. But, I mean, but how many games is Phil Jagielka going to have to referee? To, I mean, I know it's fast track, but, like, what is the minimum amount of games you can get? Like, it's still going to be years, really isn't it? should be doing, like, Sunday League first. Like, one game in every division before you get up to the Premier League. I, I remember a friend of mine, he was saying he played a game... They used to, in the fixture, they used to get like a Premier League ref each time. And uh, I think Premier League in fi- their league, you mean? <laughs> no, no. Is it a, a proper Premier League ref? Yeah, they had, I think it was Phil Dowd was the example he was giving me. And, well, like uh, when he was retired, you mean? I think he had retired by this yeah, point. So yeah, so he's still keeping his hand keeping in. his hand in. Yeah. <laughs> but he, and... and was it Dowd or was one of the others? But he kept giving him loads of bands, being like, oh, I was refereeing Drogba a few uh, few months ago and now I'm doing you boys and all of this stuff. It sounded absolutely amazing. I was like, oh, I want to be ref by a Premier League ref. <laughs> if, if a Premier League ref turned up at your Sunday League game, Dave, what would be your attitude towards them? Would you be more intimidated and more respectful of them or for just enjoyment reasons, for novelty reasons, going to give them more? Which way round is it? I would, I think initially I'd be... I'd be comforted because sometimes you, you see some of the refs that turn up at Sunday League and you immediately just go, oh, oh I don't know, this could be, yeah, this could be tricky today. Got him. Um, but yeah, I think once the game started, I think it would be interesting to see how, how officious they decided to be. Whether they were straight down the line or whether they would, like, as you say, with Charlie, whether they sort of had a bit of banter. I think this is probably quite a fine line, isn't there? Apparently, those proper refs are like amazingly impressive because it's just the authority they have is so different. You know how like, because all what you really need is to be like a bit scared of the refs you've got. Uh, the worst is when you've got someone who no one's scared of. They don't really have any authority. Whereas apparently those, you know, properly elite refs, when you're an amateur playing with them, it is just like they they are so in control. They just don't really take any shit, and they're just completely confident, have full conviction in their decisions. Really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. And that makes a massive difference. Okay, that's enough VAR and officiating then, uh, because I've got more important cultural news to bring you via Tony Tutis. The worst film of all time has dropped. This week, it's called Christmas in Notting Hill. Oh! Saturday, November 25th. I'm Georgia, by the way. This is the part where you respond with your name. That's funny. I love you, Graham Savoy! Who are you? We are two completely different people with completely different lives. I'd like to show you something. No way. I can't miss Christmas match. 
Christmas in Notting Hill. All new Saturday, November 25th at 6 on Hallmark. His voice as well for a footballer. Absolutely atrocious casting. And and that line of who are you is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Graham Savoy! <laughs> We're from two different worlds. Of uh, they could they they couldn't have put less effort into trying to approximate a footballer's name, Dave, than Graham Savoy. They've tried to think of the most British thing and they've come up with Graham Savoy. It's, it actually makes me sick. I would have a lot of respect for them if it was spelt like Graham Lasso. <laughs> that would completely turn it around for me. Then they've done their research. Sav- Savoy. <laughs> that's what it's based on. Um, well-spoken bloke, Graham Savoy. Yeah. This, is, this is for the Hallmark Channel, right? Which is like, you know, they've got a rich vein of Christmas films. They do. It's like a weird weirdly massively successful thing on yeah, it's like, completely shameless like yeah the, the, they just the, churn christmas films yes. out all year round and stuff so i mean they probably for their target market graham savoy is probably like bang on yes. americans watching this probably think like the savoy is like you know the epicenter of london sort of kind of <laughs> the storyline yeah. charlie it's just so shit though like they bump into each other in notting hill but uh, uh, like she spills his her coffee on well, him. Well, that feels like an homage to Notting Hill. Yeah, th- there are ty- that's what th- is, there yeah. are sort of references like uh, her. The dad is reading Horse and Hound in one okay, scene, for right, example. Sure. So it isn't completely like there. There is an element of irony to some of it, but um, but yeah. And then he, you know, he's reticent to kind of get to know her because he's always he's wary of people coming up to him all the time because everyone knows who he is and they love him because he plays for AFC Newborn at Christmas. Mm-hmm. If you got it, yeah, yeah good nice. one. And then he finally warms to her because, you know, she loves him for who he is, not just well, exactly, the fact that yeah. he's Graham Savoy of AFC Newborn, whose who's face is emblazoned on London buses. But there's a scene in the, in the trailer there where, where he takes her to the stadium, AFC yeah. Newborn Stadium. I was trying to work out what stadium it was just from looking at it, but I couldn't. But you, you've, you've worked it out, Adam. What is it? Yeah, it's the 18,500 capacity Windsor Park Belfast. How wowed. Could that woman really be? But then well, I'm curious as well how she got through, got that far in without no. Like she must have been blindfolded for some time. <laughs> Maybe she was. Fifty Shades of Grey. There, <laughs> uh, then oh, she like dear. takes a penalty on the pitch in like an empty stadium, just in, in the middle really of the afternoon. Rubbish, generic football. They didn't even have the black panels on it, let alone. Oh, it's so shit. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know it's not really a football film, but I just. Oh, I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing. They can't do anything. Well, you should watch the whole thing when it comes out, Adam. Okay. One to settle down with the in-laws with. Right. That brings us to halftime. The adjudication panel will be back very shortly. Right, welcome back to Football Clichés. More adjudication panelling to come before we get into the latest round of HHG, Happy Hunting Grounds. Um, Lowercase J writes in, Dave says, watching Barnsley versus Wickham, uh, which was notable for many other reasons. The commentator described a Barnsley midfielder as right-footed by trade. Surely a trade (laughs) is something learned and primarily used for someone playing out of position. For example, he's a left-back by trade. I'm not having right-footed by trade, are you? No. No, really not. It's it's not a specific enough skill to to have to learn. You've got to get qualifications. In, in being right-footed. Would you even accept it, Charlie, if someone's like, swung in a brilliant left-footed cross, but then the commentator pointed out that actually, they're actually right-footed by trade? But even then, no. it's a natural thing, isn't no. it? No, no. Yeah, real, real shame, that one. This was interesting, though. Tom writes in, Charlie, says, Paul Mullen of Wrexham was described as defending from the front. 
after winning a goal kick and alleviating pressure? Does the front indicate the position on the pitch or is it an indicator of someone's position? I'm not sure yet, but what I will say is that if you win a goal kick for your team by tracking back, that's not defending from the front. You might be a striker coming back to help, but that's not defending from the front. But winning a, go- winning a goal kick, does he mean he's like pressed the defender or pressed the keeper and given away a goal kick? No, no, no. He, he's, he's forced a winger into kicking out of play for him, for Wrexham to win a goal kick. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's not defending from the front. Defending from the front, for me anyway, is is pre- is a high pressing forward, charging down yeah. the keeper, charging down defenders, being that first line of defence high up the pitch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I think it. Does, yeah, I think it doesn't have to be like right at the front of the pitch. Obviously, that's like the ideal for it. But I think you could still say it about a as long as you're the furthest forward. The player, first line of defence. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So you could be doing it around the halfway line. And you could get praise for doing that because you, you might be pressing centre-backs who've pushed right on. You, you still might. It still might be acceptable. Goal kick is maybe pushing it, but I can imagine if someone has sort of tracked back and nicked it off for a throw in and then G's up his teammates, but, you know, even in his own half, it might be like, that's great defending from the front. But we have a device for that. And it's like, and who's back there defending but Paul Mullen? That's what they do when they're doing proper defending. I don't like it. don't like it at all. Here's a nice little question about football textiles from listener Adam. Hi, my question is, can you still talk about leathering the ball um, as in kicking it really hard when neither the ball or the boot that's kicking it are made of leather anymore? Um, Polyurethaning, it doesn't really quite have the same ring to it, um, but can we still use the terminology or should it be updated? Good question from Adam there, Dave. Uh, My instinct would be to say, of course you can. You know, these things aren't necessarily to be taken too literally, but it did make me wonder. And also, I didn't I didn't factor in the fact that there were two leather things coming into the equation here. How far back in history would you go, or would you need to go, to find a time when the ball and the boot were both leather? When's the, what, what, when was the last time? 70s? Sort of 81, I would say. I don't know, really. It's a good question. Mid-80s is when the first kind of plastic ball started coming in from Adidas. So that's the last time you could justifiably literally say he'd leathered it. Is leathering, Charlie, when you when you leather something, is it the leather of the boot or leather of the ball? Are you taking the leather off the ball or are you using the leather of your boot? He leathered it. It must be boot related. But the thing but well, the thing if if it is boot related, you would associate a leathering as, as a as a real strong forceful strike, which is actually more likely to come off the laces than the leather. Yeah. Or maybe it's unrelated to either of those things and it's just based on, you know, being given a leathering by belt or something. I don't know. Or a handbag. Maybe. But I definitely think it's fine to stay. It's, it's just, it's a really satisfying yeah. descriptor as well. We still have woodwork after all. Exactly. Mm. Either of you played on square wooden goalposts anytime recently? No. There's going to be a day where they no longer exist. I bet they still do just about, but there's going to, there should be a ceremony. The last time one of those is torn down, the last ever square wooden goalpost. That, the, the breaker of so many under nine's hearts over the years. <laughs> I think the last preserve of them is hockey goals, which occasionally get used for sort of six aside, five aside in, on AstroTurf. Right. It's time for happy hunting grounds. Charlie Eccleshare and David Walker are one apiece in this sensational quiz format where you have to guess the goal scorers in any given Premier League fixture. I'm going to ask you three questions each. You will choose a difficulty level of between one and and 10. That difficulty level will correspond to the number of points that are available to you. If you get the goal scorer from that fixture correct, you'll get half the points. If you can also name me the season that it happened, you'll get the other half of those points. We've had two Titanic clashes between you two so far. Let's see how this one goes. Charlie, you just about prevailed last time. 
despite a stunning, stirring grandstand comeback from Dave Walker. But um, you'll get to choose whether you go first or second this time, Charlie. Well, I think I've gone first the previous two, so I'll let Dave kick us off this time. Okay, great stuff. Right then, Dave, you're going first. Choose a level of one to ten, please. I'll go for a number two to start off with. A number two. Right, I'm going to spin the wheel and give you this combination. Crystal Palace... At Stamford Bridge. The old Zaha conundrum again. There really isn't a game sort of jumping into my mind, sort of, with any sort of clarity. I'm going to go l- last season, actually, and I'm going to go with Eberici Eze 2022-23. Incorrect, I'm afraid. Chelsea won 1-0 uh, that time. But let's just see if Eberici Eze has ever scored against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I can tell you as I look up, though, that Eberici Eze has never scored away at Chelsea for Crystal Palace. You begin with a zero, a big fat zero, Dave. Charlie, you can take the lead in round one. What level are you going to go for? I'll go two. Charlie's going to go with a level two to kick off. West Ham United at the Dell. Ooh, that feels harder than a two. Fascinating to know what season you'll go with here. That's a bit harsh for a level two, isn't it? That is a real... I I should have gone three because my logic last time was that two and threes are actually quite similar. And that... Must be harder than a lot of threes. Yeah, that is a bit harsh for a level two. I might have to reconsider that one. But for now, I can't think of a specific goal there, I don't think. So I'll go Decanio 99-2000. Decanio 99-2000. A 2-1 win for Southampton at the Dell. And the goal scorer for West Ham United was Frank Lampard. I was going to... Lampard was my other option. Bollocks. I can tell you that Decanio has not scored for West Ham at the Dell. Right, nil-nil after round one. Dave, you go again. Tricky one so far, isn't it? Um, I'm just going to try and get off the board here. I'm just going to go for a one. Yep. A level one for Dave Walker. Here we go. And that is Chelsea at Villa Park. Chelsea at Villa Park. Oh, God. You'd, you'd think it would be easy, but oh, it's just when you're on the spot and you're, just, when you're not Charlie Eccleshire, it is trickier than you think. The venerable Premier League fixture, that's for sure. Yeah, happened a lot of times. The thing is, in, in these ones, it's like my mind is always like trying to think of like, when was the last time they played? Like, was it this season? But then Chelsea haven't been very good this season, so I wouldn't back myself to pick someone. So I'm just going to go for like the vintage. Nice, good. Or the sort of the Mourinho vintage era, the first time right. around. And I'm going to go with Frank Lampard in 2004 5. Frank Lampard, 2004-5, a nil-nil draw. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) Astonishing, really. Yeah. He must have scored there. Surely there must be getting half a point for this. He must have scored at Villa Park for Chelsea. I can tell you that Frank Lampard has scored at Villa Park uh, for Chelsea. So you get half a point, Dave Walker. Ashley Cole, back to Azar. Oh, Lampard! So Dave Walker leads by half a point as Charlie enters... Round two. What level are you going for, Charlie? I'm a bit scared by two after West Ham at the Dell, but I'll try two again. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the right decision. You won't get another West Ham at the Dell, surely. You're having Tottenham Hotspur at Vicarage Road. Okay, Davinson Sanchez in 21-22. Davinson Sanchez, 21-22. A 1-0 win for Tottenham. And the goal scorer in the 90th minute, Davinson Sanchez. <laughs> Charlie Ocashere leads by two points to half a point as we go into round three. Dave, you've pulled it out the bag before. You've almost pulled it out the bag before. What's going to happen this time? Round three for you. How difficult are you going? 
So I'm okay. It's two to two to two to him, half for me. I'm gonna go for a f- five. A five. Yeah. Self sabotage, self immolation. Well, actually, I'm thinking if I get if I get the two and a half, that'll leave me on three. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like it's like a like a like a long putt but if you can get close to it you might have a tap in and still put him under pressure level five for dave walker and your combination is brentford at craven cottage brentford at craven cottage come on think about this brentford at craven cottage obviously i can't remember the specifics of those two playing each other in the last few years Kate's on the playoff final didn't they that's annoying that's in my head for doing doing no good so i'm gonna go last season so 22, 23, and I'm going to go Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony. It was Fulham 3, Brentford 2. Oh, come on, there's a chance. And in the 71st minute, Ivan Tony struck. Yeah. That's Wieser. Can he uh, find the finish? There it is. And he will not be denied. Ivan Tony. And there you go. So a full five points. Uh, Charlie seething. I know why, but it's fine. Yeah, it's, I, uh, yeah that, it's not. Yeah. Do you want to leave this podcast on time or not? <laughs> mm. You saying it's you, too you easy? You can have the same. You can have the same situation. It's, it's, it's up to you. Yeah. you, you it's how it is. West Ham at the Dell are two, and Brentford. West, West Ham at the Dell for two. I think like Brentford Fulham. You've got Fulham, what two options? <laughs> and if Tony scored in one of them, you're basically. 50-50 for five I, points. I've been saying for a long time, the, sco- the scoring the score system, system okay. the spreadsheet is in development and will remain so for quite a while. Nobody has the time to really tweak this. I will tweak it. You got unlucky with the Wheel of Fortune on level two. That's just how the cookie crumbles in HHG. Charlie, you trail by three and a half points. You've got two. Dave's got five and a half. What are you doing here? Uh, I'll go four. He's going to have to go four. Right, if you get this, you have one HHG. You could have gone higher and then tried, you know, you could potentially have won it just on getting the right goal scorer if you went even higher. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Oh, too late now. Wait, so what's the gap? Three and a half? Yeah, maybe seven would have been the thing to do. Oh, but yeah, I said I said four, didn't I? Right then, Charlie, your combination to win HHG, and you have to get the full complement of points here, is Aston Villa at the Valley. Yeah, I should have gone eight, and then you've got two bites at it. Remember that for next time. Villa at the Valley. I, I, I quite like that he bemoans your strategy, Dave, and then it doesn't even enter his head when it's, when it's the last roll of the dice. I'm not sure who that reflects worse on. But he wants to play the right way. He wants to play it the right way. He wants to get the quiz down and play, and that's fine. No, no, there's nothing. Um, it's no It's uh, no criticism of Dave. I'm trying to think if I got lucky and happened to watch a Prem Plus or televised game then. Charlie needs all four points here. But I can't remember one specifically. So Juan Pablo Angel... 2001, 2002. Juan Pablo Angel. That's what I was thinking, what I would have gone for as well. 21st of January, 2002. Charlton 1, Aston Villa 2. Darius Vassell opened the scoring for Aston Villa in the eighth minute, doubling the lead for Aston Villa just before half-time. was one Juan Pablo Angel. Oh! What a wonderful effort to get to it, and he did his Angel! Oh, it's a second! Great to see Charlie have this moment, I have to say. Yeah, it was a stab in the dark. He's basically done a Dave Walker. He won't admit it, but he has. And he has won Happy Hunting Grounds by six points to five and a half. Oh, that's close. That is brilliant. And another great advert for Happy Hunting Grounds. Overcame the kind of controversy of being drawn West Ham at the Dell in a level two. Bounced back, kept his nerve. Could have gone level eight and just halved it, but didn't want to. 
wanted a full level four and it by jove he's got it <laughs> six points to five and a half superb stuff great to see it go to a third round as well for the third time running brilliant work from you Charlie Eccleshare well done how'd you feel very relieved yeah that was that was uh that I do not remember that game at all so yeah it was very much an educated guess yeah you'll get the backing of the listeners over West Ham at the Dell too I imagine maybe not our older ones but still um Dave I, I think you know you've been given a taste of your own medicine here and and uh, I, I think you probably appreciate the thrill of the game more than the uh, sickening defeat yeah I don't think I deserve that today I don't think that would that wouldn't have been uh, it wouldn't have been much honour in my victory there if I'd have, if I'd have won today so fair a enough wounded animal in Charlie Ecochere when you when you forced him into a corner <laughs> he's going to come out fighting with logic goal scoring logic brilliant stuff I hope everyone was playing along at home and uh, thanks to you Charlie Ecochere for a great adjudication panelling and some superb happy hunting grounding thank you cheers to you Dave Walker thank you cheers to everyone for listening we'll be back on Tuesday see you later 